welcome to the NLPcourses.com show, where we push past the hype and pull back the velvet curtains of creating a successful life with NLP, neuro-linguistic programming. Diving into physiology, neuroscience and linguistic programming so that NLP becomes a practical tool at home and in your career. Moving beyond the techniques so that you can make a name, make money or make a real difference to people's lives. Tune in weekly if you care more than others. Think wisely as we set out on our quest to uncover the secrets of successful people from all walks of life. Make sure you head over to nlpcourses.com to subscribe and receive our free newsletter and other goodies. Here is your host, NLP Master Trainer, John Cassidy Rice. Hello, my name is John Cassidy Rice. It's a pleasure to be your host for this session. And what we've got today is an exciting interview with Winston B. Clements. I have to ask what the B stands for. Uh, TEDx speaker and I think going to be a potential star in the future. Got a lot to offer the world. So hi, hi Winston, how are you doing? Hey John, thanks for having me on board. No, a real pleasure. So, first question is, what does the B stand for? <laughs> Ooh, that's that's probably the hardest question of the night. But uh, no, it's Winston Ben Clements, and actually, it's a funny one with my name because my first name is Winston, but a lot of my family actually refers to me as Ben, oh. which is my middle name. So, at times when I'm with different groups of people, for example, work colleagues and my family are there as well, they, they all get confused with each other because one group is calling me Winston, the other group is calling me Ben, but to be honest, I just answer to both names quite seamlessly. Oh, okay, excellent, excellent. Yep, so there you go. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so tell me a little bit about your background. What's led you to this point here? Yeah, yeah. As you mentioned, uh, for me, my background has been... Maybe a little bit different to some people. So I was born with a condition known as osteogenesis imperfecta. That's easy. Which, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you and all your viewers are going to memorize that word for sure. <laughs> <clears throat> and um, basically, OI, let's call it OI, is a rare bone condition, okay. which, which means that I have bones that break very easily and also bones that do not develop as quickly as uh, the normal. So obviously your, your viewers can't see me, but you can. And um, you can tell that for someone of, um, I guess, 32 years old, um, a little bit smaller than the average 32-year-old. So, yeah, and what this meant for me was that during my childhood, I had a lot of situations where I had to overcome chronic pain due to broken bones and um and eventually, I was able to sort of start building up my confidence. I ended up doing a degree in computer science, which I really enjoyed in the end, despite some challenging C++ lectures in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and yeah, I, I've been working in IT consulting for the last sort of seven or eight years, and it's, it's a career that I've really enjoyed. And now I'm starting to think about the future and maybe doing a bit more, you know, cook, uh, work that connects me with people. So, which is why I, I was looking into TEDx and opportunities to speak and allow me to share my message. 
Excellent. And I know on the TEDx you did uh, talk about resilience. Correct, yes. So tell me a little bit more about that. Why is it important to you, etc.? Yeah, yeah. So with resilience, I think, so part of my, in the last year or so, I've been really trying to expand on my speaking journey. And I've come up with a mission, and my mission is to create a world where nobody feels limited in what they can achieve. And I feel because of my unique perspective, you know, having this background with um, growing up with a, a rare bone condition and having overcome a bunch of things to get to where I am, I feel like I can use those perspectives and stories to hopefully inspire an audience to believe that if somebody like me, an average Joe like me can do it, then surely um, they will be able to achieve a lot of stuff as well. And the way resilience ties into that is, I believe resilience is a resource that allows us to lead a richer and more rewarding life. And this is because of the ability that you get if you are resilient, you have an opportunity to bounce back when the world kind of punches you in the stomach, as it does sometimes. <laughs> and I believe it's an important quality which has served me well for many years. And I hope that by sharing my mission and my message, it will be a quality that can serve you and the rest of your audience as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think um, a quote, and I can't think who said it at the moment, is people are like tea bags. You don't know how strong they are until they're in hot water. <laughs> so true, so true. Uh, that's another good way to summarise my mission, I suppose, yeah. So you, to, to share with us some of these stories about that illustrates what you mean by resilience, if that's okay. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so for me, I guess a lot of my stories would be, um, when people talk about resilience for me, I think... The way I think about it is, again, that ability to bounce back when life kind of hits you. And for me, it's it's almost like, I don't know if you're into football or sports in any way, but there's this thing about football where sometimes I'll be watching a game with my friends and my team will win or their team will win. You know, somebody has to win. And then there'll be this whole debate of, you know, your team won, but they didn't really play that well. And for me, I see that as such a good quality to have. If you're able to win when you're not even at your best, uh, for me, I'll, I'll take any win. It doesn't have to be the perfect game. It doesn't have to be the game where we play pretty football and score lots of goals. If we, if we defend the whole 90 minutes and score in the 91st minute, I'm happy to take that as well. And, and that's how I see resilience. You know, just being able to kind of get the result, even when you're not at your best. And for me, some of the stories would be, um, again, around my childhood, especially sitting in at school. Yes. So, obviously, as mentioned, I was a little bit different. And and I guess it's normal for kids to be like, whoa, you know, this guy, he looks a bit different to me, so I'm not sure how I'm going to interact with him. And I had a lot of situations where... Um, I guess my confidence was affected because I didn't feel I was making enough friends at that time. I wasn't really doing what the normal kids were doing in terms of dating and in terms of, you know, being invited to the coolest parties and that kind of thing. Uh-huh. And I had that experience as well. <laughs> <laughs> you like to tell us about your experience. <laughs> 
And um, and I think at a young age, I sort of learned to, I guess, overcome those situations. And for me, the thing that helped me mostly was having my strong family support. Yes. And having that good support network because, you know, we all have good days and bad days. And I think back then, I felt like I was having a lot more bad days than good days. And so I had to lean heavily on my family and, and on the people who were telling me, you know, you're still great. You're, you're still beautiful. You're still funny. You're still clever. Exactly the way you are. So you just keep doing the right thing. And that enabled me to have that strong foundation of resilience from a young age. Yes. I think that support is paramount. And uh, sadly, I think sometimes people are lacking that in, as they grow up to be adults and find some sort of just like-minded people who are supportive. I think it's such a valuable thing in life. It is. And, you know, for me, at a young age, it was family and I get friends. And now recently, as an adult, it's been, you know, I, ha- I work with coaches, I work with mentors. And for me, I found that it's really, really helped me in terms of, you know, progressing my goals. And like you say, for a lot of people maybe listening to this, they might not have the strong family connections that maybe you and I have. And in those situations, I think it's so important to look externally to mentors and coaches and see if you can bring some of their expertise and some of their guidance to help you overcome some of life's bumpy roads. Right. So, so let's say I'm in a situation where I don't think I've got the support network. How would I go about finding coaches, mentors, or somebody that would support me? That's a good question. Um, for me, the way I find my mentors is... I attend a lot of personal development type of events because personal development is such an important thing for me. And I think it depends mostly on what you were trying to be mentored on or what your goal is, is mentorship. So, for example, if I use my speaking as, as an example, I basically started attending... Toastmasters as an organization, which is a speaking organization. I also attended every sort of free coaching and speaking, uh, public speaking seminar that I could get, I could get into. Yes. And, um, naturally when you put yourself in those environments constantly, you end up networking with and connecting with people who are like-minded. And of course, some of the people are going to be more experienced than you. And then you can start developing those experiences into, sorry, those relationships into mentorships and coaching. And, um, and for me, it's worked out really well because now I have almost a team of people who I'm able to call upon if I have a particular question, whether it's to do with speaking, speaking or business or something else, uh, just because of putting myself in those, those situations. Excellent. And I've seen you interact with people. You come across very confident, outgoing. <laughs> Uh, so let's say it's I've, I'm going to put myself out there. I'm going to attend one of these events, uh, but I'm quite reserved. What would you suggest that I do to sort of be able to interact? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a tricky one, and I know you say that I come across quite quite confident, but actually, I actually find networking situations a bit nerve wracking. Okay, even today. Um, it was, it was worse in the beginning. I remember when I went to my first couple of networking events, uh, I, I always took a friend with me. Yes. I always needed that crutch of a friend to be near me. And then 
eventually, you know, there, there were times when people were not available to come with me, so I had to go on my own. And those are the situations where I particularly dreaded it because I was thinking, oh, you know, you get really self-conscious <laughs> for some reason. You think, everyone's going to think I'm a loner. Wow, what am I doing here on my own? Everybody else is tearing up. Yes. And that kind of thing. Um, I think the advice I would have for somebody who has those sort of feelings of being scared would be just to, just to throw yourself in there. Throw yourself in there in the sense of, for me, the way I did it was I literally did a little countdown in my head, which is something that Mel Robbins, uh, another motivational speaker, she talked about the five-second rule. Right. And it's about giving yourself five seconds to make a decision. So in my mind, there was a countdown, five, four, three, two, one, and I had to approach somebody. Okay. <laughs> I had to literally approach somebody at the end of the countdown because Otherwise, you, you might find yourself in a situation with, which I found myself in as well, where I've gone to networking events and I've spent most of the meetings just stood in a corner, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> being afraid to approach anybody because it, it, I just took too long to think about what I was going to do or how I was going to introduce myself. So I just found if I was to give them one takeaway would be just do, do a little countdown. Five seconds works for me. Um, if you need 10, that's fine. <laughs> but after the countdown, you have to make an approach and just go in there and say, hey, my name is Winston, my name is John, and you know what do you do? Yes. And that's it. So it seems to be like a message coming through various parts of your story is that the key then is to get involved in life, even if it does uh, scare you, even if it does, <laughs> does frighten you. And by doing, you can start to move forward with that? That's how yeah, that works. yeah I, I think that's a great summary. And I think because for me, I come from an IT background, so by nature, I am quite analytical. Yes. And so if I decide that I'm going to hang back and sort of scope out a situation, I could be scoping all night, <laughs> <laughs> waiting for the perfect moment. So I found that I've been able to achieve much more when I've given myself limited time to think. It's like taking away the oxygen from the fire. Okay, so five, four, three, two, one, go. Go, go. say hello, say your name and say what you do and ask them what they do. Excellent, excellent. And so what's the best networking question you've come across in your experience? Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, I think I've been to networking events where they do sort of an icebreaker. Yes. It's almost completely... Um, unrelated to, I guess, normal networking things. Uh, it'd be things like you have to go around the room and this might be a bit challenging for some people, and it was for me, and um, talk about something really embarrassing, for example, like your most embarrassing situation at school or something. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, and when the presenter, um, I guess, sort of shared this with a group, everyone was looking at each other like, ah. Oh. <laughs> you know, we don't even know each other, and now we have to share our most embarrassing moments. It's, yes. it's kind of like, it's, it's really, um, it, it's not the thing that you naturally want to do, especially if you go into a meeting like me, feeling nervous already. Yes. <laughs> um, but actually, what I found at the end was being open and being vulnerable within that networking group scenario, it actually makes everyone let that guard down for the rest of the evening you're able to talk about anything because now you've already shared 
yes. <laughs> your most difficult moment, your most embarrassing stuff with the group. So saying hello and what you do for work becomes a much easier conversation after that. Have you ever come across a situation, because your story is very moving um, and it connects with people on a way that they can apply it to their life, where people say, well, that's easy for you, Winston, but I haven't got anything like that in my life. What would you say to that? <laughs> that's a good point. And, um, and actually, this is something that one of my mentors, my, my speaking mentor, he, I, I was sharing some ideas for a particular speech that I was working on, and he read it. And he said, that's a really nice speech, Winston, but I don't feel like I can, rela- I can relate to any of it. Okay. <laughs> um, I, f- I feel like this is designed for maybe somebody who has a rare disability like you have. They would be able to take stuff away from this. But for me, as a, you know average, able-bodied, um, sort of middle-aged man, yes. there's not really much for me to take away here. Okay. And, um, and that's been really eye-opening for me as well because I think it's important, especially if you're going to do any sort of speaking or provide any, any service uh, to a customer. I think for me, I found that there's a tendency for some people to think about themselves. So for me to think about myself as a speaker yes. and think about the things that I want to say <laughs> rather than the things that the audience need to take away from my speech. Yes. <laughs> You know, it doesn't matter if I give the most amazing speech and you, you got 101 excellent metaphors. If you, John, are not able to take away one thing which you can go and apply in your own life. <clears throat> and, um, and that, that's actually made me change completely how I think about my communication and how I think about my speaking in particular, because always trying to build in those takeaways and, increase the value for the audience that I'm sharing it with. Yes. So there seems to be a thing coming through here. So get involved in life. And um, the key, I think the key to networking and the key to public speaking, etc., is to think of other people. And I think when you're thinking of other people, you become less nervous and less, less self-conscious. I think, yeah, I think that's a really good way to put it because, yeah, if you're just thinking about yourself and you're, you're you become really self-conscious about saying the right thing and about portraying yourself in the best possible light. But if you start off, like you say, from a position of wanting to get to know the other person and wanting to understand their problem or wanting to share something valuable with them, then it becomes a, a much easier conversation and a lot more comfortable, I think, and more authentic as well, I yeah. believe. Excellent. So resilience means many different things in various different parts of our lives, whether it's networking, um, personal situations and uh, so how as we come into an end of this podcast uh, and it's been so quick so, <laughs> <laughs> no. so how would you sum up resilience towards life yeah it's, it's a good question um i think a good example for me is when i think back to my time after graduating from university i I graduated with a good degree in computer science, like I said, and I went through quite a long phase, almost a year, when I was unable to get a job. Okay. And I was thinking, what is going on here, John? Because I graduated from a good uni, good degree, and I've definitely got the skills to do the job, but for some reason, I wasn't getting hired. 
And a lot of the time I would go to interviews and I could see and I could sense from the people interviewing me that they were a bit cautious about bringing in somebody with such an obvious disability yeah. as I have because I guess they they were okay in terms of knowing that I could do the job, but perhaps they were worried about what kind of extra support somebody like me might need in order to perform at their best level or would I need extra sick days as an example because of my condition and and this is this is not anything I've ever needed um, in terms of going to school and working I take very few sick days but it's just a perception that comes with having a disability and um, in those moments again I found myself going through a bit of a downward spiral because I was thinking I'm never going to get the job no. This is the kind of perception that all employers are going to have about me, then it's going to be really difficult. And I guess the biggest takeaway, which I'd like to leave you and your audience with, is all of those lessons that started off in childhood with my family and, you know, with my friends always sort of pushing me and being really hard on me at times uh, to make sure that I was achieving uh, my true potential. Yes. I was never given an opportunity to feel sorry for myself or to sort of um, hide behind my disability. Um, so all of those lessons from childhood, all of those ideas that I got from connecting with good mentors and coaching really helped me build up my resilience to a level that when I was going through this difficult time looking for a job, it was able to carry me through. Yeah. And I just kept going where some people who might not have been in the same frame of mind might have given up they might have given up and said hey I'm not meant to work or I'm not meant to have a successful career in IT but having that fire under me enabled me to keep pushing forward and I'll say to your audience if you're facing a situation where you feel like you've been trying and trying and trying and you know for some reason it's not working out life is like the seasons of life are like the seasons of the weather you might be facing a winter right now but winter will end at some point and spring will come and definitely things will start looking up at some point. But in order for you to enjoy the spring and the summer, you have to keep doing all the right things in the winter yes. to put you in that, in that good position when the time comes. So I think that would be my biggest takeaway. Yeah, fabulous. So if anybody wants to get in contact with you, uh, find out what, um, what, what you have to offer, uh, maybe ask you some questions, how would they do that? <laughs> Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm easily reachable. Uh, so social media, you can reach me on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter now as well. I've just recently joined Twitter. Huh? <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And the handle for that is Winston Speaker. So that's Winston Speaker for all three, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And I've also launched a website recently, which is www.winstonclements.com. So winstonclements.com. And actually, that would be a really good place for the audience to jump on and sign up to my email list because I send out a lot of good stuff, videos, um, blogs, and sort of upcoming events. I share those via email. So that would be a really cool way for people to connect with me. And I'd really appreciate it. Excellent. And what we'll do, we'll put those links down on the page, on the uh, podcast page and on the uh, video page as well. Awesome. Thank you.
Thank you ever so much for your time. I know you're a busy man. <laughs> Pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Right. And until next time, have a fabulous week. Cheers, John, and thanks to you guys. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the NLPcourses.com podcast show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. And make sure to head over to nlpcourses.com to subscribe to our newsletter. This will ensure you are kept fully up to date on the latest in-depth NLP topics of interest. Stay tuned for upcoming episodes on neuro-linguistic programming and beyond.